Fellows, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? The beaches are opening, the sun is shining, and the bushes, they must be tamed. Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your body grooming game. Be sure to use their crop cleanser to keep your hair and skin healthy. It's an all-in-one formula, so it's as good for healthy chest hair as it is for your skin. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day long. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a below-the-belt toner that's designed to give you a pep in your step and smell great. Get 20% off shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code THEATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC20. For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show... We'll talk to Rod Gilmore, ESPN college football analyst and former Stanford Cardinal, about the cancellation of the Pac-12 football season and all fall sports through the end of the calendar year, as well as the Big Ten and how some conferences like the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC are still trying to get a football season in, as well as what the ramifications could be for the upcoming NFL draft and spring football. Is that really a thing? We'll find out as we talk to Rod Gilmore. It's Friday, August 14th. It's a pleasure now to welcome in ESPN college football analyst Rod Gilmore. And Rod, I believe, are you an East Bay guy? I'm an East, I'm a San Leandro kid. I think you're out of the East Bay too, aren't you? I am. I was uh, born and raised in Oakland and um, skipped across the Bay for college, came back for law school, and my wife and I have kind of settled in the East Bay uh, ever since. That's good to hear. Now, like, that's something that baffles me is being from the East Bay. I've always been, I guess, more of a Cal guy being from San Leandro and getting out to Haas Pavilion. Now, you played football at Stanford, and then, as you said, went over to Cal for law school. You have problems on big game day? You got issues with that? Oh, come on. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. I mean, uh, I think most people would agree that uh, wherever you go for your undergrad is where you have your most fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> law school can be a torture chamber, as can most grad programs, so no. Nah. The loyalty is with your undergrad besides. My last college game was uh, that 1982, what do you call it, the play, the five lateral? The play, yeah. Yeah, I still have a fair amount of anxiety about that. <laughs> I'd imagine having to do law school at Cal, then you maybe hate it even more. You're talking about sort of being in a prison there. could be could be even more stressful thinking about Cal. I did not set foot in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good deal. Well, fun to sort of shoot the bull there about some, some small stuff, but we got bigger stuff at hand here and stuff that's not quite as fun and dealing with what's going on with our beloved sport of college football. I look at what's going on with the NCAA and the NCAA commissioner, Mark Emmert, very presidential of him, I thought, to just sort of say, hey, all the conferences, all the governors, you guys do it yourself. You decide how you want to run things in your own conference. What can you tell us about the decisions were made with the Big Ten and with Pac-12? Well, you know, it's a crazy time. And I'd like to say I was surprised that things came down this way, but the last few days made it pretty clear that this was going to happen. And if you go back to spring, March, April, you know, there was a lot of concern about whether we'd be able to have a college football season. And it was really dependent on what was going to happen with the pandemic. And quite honestly, you know, I said this yesterday to some ESPN colleagues, I'm angry at us. You know, I'm not angry at the presidents or the commissioners. 
we had a chance to really knock down this virus and we didn't, you know, we didn't act as a team, as a country to knock it down. So it's still here and it put it in the hands of the presidents and the commissioners as to whether to go forward. So once we got to the point where, you know, we're, we've got so much trouble and it's getting worse. We have 165,000 plus people dead, more than 5 million cases. You know, football does not exist in a vacuum. And to think that we were going to be able to just run a full season while this is just destroying, you know, our communities just isn't realistic. And I think the decision by the Pac-12 and the Big Ten made an awful lot of sense considering the evidence that we have. We haven't had a lot of evidence over the summer that you can get through a season. We've had our college teams struggle with lots of uh, positive tests. We had 15 or 17 of them shut down their practices because of outbreaks. We've been watching other sports struggle. Major League Baseball's had issues with it. You know, the Big Ten has about 10 players who suffered COVID-19 and also had heart-related issues. So it's a scary thing. I'm not surprised that they decided to shut it down. My guess is that we might have one or two conferences try and start the season. I don't see any way that they're going to get through the season because the only thing that appears to be working is the complete bubble that the NBA has. The NHL is doing the bubble and the NBA is doing the bubble. And now Major League Baseball, as you mentioned, is kind of kicking it around even for a postseason. The NCAA commissioners we mentioned before, Mark Emmert, had said he doesn't think that's a possibility when it was sort of being tossed around for basketball. I would tend to agree. Sports, as I think of it, are kind of a luxury, right? We go back to March 13th when everything kind of got shut down and things happened very rapidly. And I'm talking the March 13th sort of starting with the Rudy Gobert testing positive in the NBA, right? Once he tested positive, then things just started to drop. Do you think we're going to see that kind of domino effect because just recently we had I heard an interview with Brett Brennan who's the head coach of San Jose State football and he said five days before they called the Mountain West football season they were told expect to start your season on September 26th five days later they said we've got enough information now to say things are canceled do we anticipate the same sort of domino effect you think with the other conferences yeah I think that's what's going to happen I think there will be you know a couple of conferences and if I were a betting man I would bet on the SEC and probably the ACC to hang in there the longest and to maybe even start the season. But listen, when you're talking about a pandemic with some issues, long-term issues that people aren't certain about, they don't know what the long-term ramifications might be. And we're not at the point where we can get rapid testing so that you can ensure that when you get on the field, everyone is okay. There may be a two or three day lag between testing and playing right now. And that's not going to protect players. So those things are, are real issues. And I just don't see with students coming back on campus, how you get through all that. I, I don't know how that works. And, you know, I know everyone is saying, hey, the team is all for it and teams will do all the right things. Imagine you've got a team of 110 players and you probably can count on 60 of those players to in some way, shape or form, perform in the game or travel with the team to do a game. What about those other 50 guys? They're left behind. And there are things going on on campus and they're going to stay locked up in their dorm room and not socialize, not see their family. I just don't see that happening. And now a quick word from Indochino. 
There are a lot of ramifications because as you said, none of this is in a vacuum. There's stuff that happens, you know, because of college football and it, you know, goes up the ladder to the CFP to how this is going to affect that governing body, which is interesting. I'm wondering about those decisions for the CFP ramifications because the Big Ten says they're not playing, but they've got that board of managers and and directors. It's composed of 11 university presidents and chancellors, including Eric Barron of Penn State and Washington State's Kirk Schultz, who are on the CFP committee who decide how all this goes down for a league that isn't going to have their teams playing how do they continue with a cfp structure i don't know that they can i think as long as they say well we've got three power five conferences that are trying to go forward with this they don't have to make a decision right now they can try and argue that maybe it still works but ultimately i don't think you get there i don't think you can do it with three if there have been four maybe you could go forward with it but i fully expect that you're going to see another conference drop out before you get to September 26th. And before we get to the end of October, uh, we'll be down another conference. I, I just don't see how it's possible to get through that. And so if any conference makes it through, it'll be just for the sake of trying to declare a conference champ. You can't hold you know, a legitimate national championship when you, know, you have three or more conferences not participating. You mean I might not get my Outback uh, Fight Hunger Bowl or something this year? I might not get all the, the Belk Bowls? All- <laughs> <laughs> I know you've been waiting on those, but, but maybe not. Let me, let me ask you this, though. I mean, don't you sort of believe that even if we go forward and we don't allow fans in the stadium, aren't people still going to gather in some way, shape, or form to watch football games, whether that's outside the stadium or with their buddies at their house, in some way, shape, or form, I mean, college football has always been a community sport. People like to gather for it. And if there's a game happening, I think people are going to gather. And that's sort of like college football exacerbating the problem out there. And that's a great point because it's about creating the environment and culture of safety and telling your fans, hey, this is not the right thing to do, not just for the players, but because we can't put people in the stadium right now. We can't put fans in the arena to watch a basketball game. I totally agree with you that if you play, there's going to be a group of people in just about every conference for every school, for every team. And we'll see it with the NFL, too, for people who are, you know, I think about the NFL playing a season or how are we going to have a a Super Bowl party next year? You can't do that, but they're going to happen. They will. Yeah. And that's going to put more stress on our healthcare system because people are going to get sick. So it may not be the most responsible thing to do as a good neighbor, as a member of the community, but, you know, I guess there are other priorities. One more thing, just on, on the uh, the college football tip, that you've heard some schools and some conferences talk about trying to play in the spring. I kind of laugh at and scoff at, and I look at, you know, baseball pushed their season back and basketball was able to do it. It worked because of the bubble situation. College football, entirely different because there's a next level for this, right? You've got kids who are freshmen. You can't have them play two seasons in a six-month window. That's, of course, if we're in, in a state where we can play football in the spring of 2021, but you can't do two football seasons in a six-month window, can you? No, you're exactly right. I, I don't see how that's possible. It's just too physically taxing, demanding for players. And remember, you know, we're talking 17 to 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds, and these guys are still maturing physically. They're still hitting the weight. They aren't where they're going to be. They're not like the pro guys, you know, who've had all this time to, to get to where they need to be. It's so physically demanding. So, when you're talking about health and safety of players, and that's the number one thing that is your criteria, and we keep hearing that. We hear it from the commissioners. We hear it from Mark Emmert. We hear all of that. And it doesn't make any sense to try to play a schedule in the spring. And if I'm a player, I'd be worried about that. But I also would be worried about eligibility. 
what's going to happen with my eligibility? You're asking me to play a spring season and lose a year of eligibility. I lose two years of eligibility in one calendar year. I wouldn't be crazy about that. You know, it just wouldn't be a good look for me. It wouldn't feel great. It wouldn't give me that opportunity to have that off season, you know, to get stronger and better and bigger. So I could be a better player down the line. I wouldn't want to waste it. And I've talked to a few players uh, across the country the last few days, and they've universally said to me they have no interest in playing in the spring. It's a small sample size, but it is noteworthy, at least to me anyway. It's funny. We've got some finality to this, and there are still so many moving parts and open ends that we've got to monitor as we move forward. Rod, I really do appreciate the time, man. It was a fun conversation. I'd love to have you back as, as we get closer to maybe if we get a season in the spring, we'll be talking then, or or maybe I'll cruise over to Oakland. We'll hit Everett and Jones or something, man. We'll grab a bite. There you go. There you go. Look, I have no idea what my, my ESPN schedule will be like this year. I may not have one, so I'm probably available. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We'll, we'll catch up with you down the road, Rod. appreciate the time, man. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Man, sometimes we do these uh, these podcasts and and you never know like what kind of person's going to be on the other line of the phone. Like the John Beam interview I had a lot of fun with because he's a, a Bay Area dude. And we try to keep these so local, but it's so fun talking to a guy like Rod Gilmore who's right here. He's over in Oakland and and in the East Bay and uh, and getting to share his thoughts on, on stuff in the Bay Area. Always a lot of fun. So we'll definitely catch up with him again if and when we get a college football season. For full coverage of sports in the Bay Area, subscribe to the update on Google Podcasts. The Athletic is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast publication get in-depth sports stories you won't find anywhere else start your 30-day free trial today by visiting theathletic.com slash google I want to say thank you to brian smith thank you to you the listener thank you to rod gilmore for tuning in if you're appreciating the show please rate review and subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us and tell your friends we're having a lot of fun doing this podcast stick with us because we've got some huge news that came out yesterday at a 49er camp that's right number 85 george kittle is going to be in 49er red and gold for the foreseeable future signed a contract making himself the richest tight end in the nfl i'm doing great feels great baby doesn't it Holy cow. That's what we're going to talk about on Monday. Some 49er talk, and they will have hit the field for training camp by then. So join us Monday. We'll talk some 49ers. Have a nice weekend. We'll talk to you then.